please break node implementations. Do it if you can. Packing bowls and freeing souls from America's heartland. You're listening to Bowl After Bowl with Lorian and Spencer. Cash, baby. I'll give it to you. You like that, Boos? Wait till you see what happens next. Oh, shit, yes. Oh, shit, yes. So good. Bowl after bowl. Oh, yes, it is Bowl After Bowl coming to you really early from FEMA Region 7. It is a special edition Bowls with Buds. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And joining us all the way from Central Europe, it's Zero Fee Routing. Hey there. Hey, how's it going? Very good. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Glad we could work it out and uh, get a yeah. spot where both our time zones be all right. <laughs> <laughs> halfway, at least. Yeah, halfway all right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I was really excited to sit down and uh, kind of talk with you about uh, the node operations that you've had and um, kind of a little bit of a post-mortem on that and... Um, maybe some tips and tricks and your origin story and your journey through uh, making and running your node. And sure thing. for those that don't know, so zero fee routing, you, you ran uh, one of the largest nodes on the lightning network. Yeah. And um, I guess you didn't maybe necessarily always expect that uh, your, your node would get so big or so, uh, so busy, so popular with routes. I think, uh, the stats that I saw for September, you were like the second largest uh, node by routing traffic in September. Yeah, yeah. According to, I think River published some, or who was that? So somebody published some numbers, or um, Kevin Rook uh, did, or somebody. Yeah. That's fantastic. And so I guess um, if we could just get like the, the origins of how you st- started running a node or um, like what made you decide to operate a lightning node in the first place yeah um well i uh, i was into lightning uh, from the very beginning when it was first available on mainnet i ran a lightning node on uh, with btc pay server way back in i think that must have been 2018 or something um but didn't pay much attention to it then kind of just let it run for years basically and then when the um, El Salvador story broke that they were using the lightning network for basically their uh, their Chivo wallet uh, implementation um, I, I got my interest got sparked again basically and then I, I looked into it I uh, set up a node I basically got my feet wet I installed several uh, raspberries with lightning nodes to just get my feet wet, basically. 
And then at some point I uh, decided, okay, I want to do a little bit of routing. Um, probably like like many of those that joined since mid last year did. Let's just do some routing. Then I realized there is not much money in routing at that point in time, um, unless you're one of the really, really big players. And I basically came to the conclusion, might as well do it for free uh, and then just renamed my node zero fee routing and advertised it on Twitter, Telegram, and uh, entered a bunch of swaps at Lightning Network Plus, which I can really recommend doing if you're starting up. And um, then it kind of like snowballed from there. Um, I got tons and tons and tons of inbound because of the <laughs> business model. Sure. Um, and then I decided, okay, um, uh, I want to try monetize this in some way. And I decided to do it by selling uh, inbound channels, basically. Uh, same as Ellen Big does and, and a couple of others. And that worked out extremely well. I started with um, just posting on, on Twitter, basically. Um, I will open a channel to you for, I don't know, it was like... 0.2% or something, so really, really cheap. And, and it, the interest was extremely intense. And I, I, I think I did that for, I don't know, three, four months by hand. So you, if you wanted a channel from me, you chat me up on Twitter or yeah. Telegram and I manually opened it. Um, yeah, then uh, I automated the process, which was uh, extremely successful in reducing the time I had to spend. Um, yeah, and then I ran and ran and ran for yeah almost another six, seven months uh, until I uh, decided basically last, uh, last month to shut the operation down um, just because it got so time intensive and... Um, I, I knew I wasn't going to have uh, the proper amount of time to take care of such a huge node, and that's just a ton of capital at risk for no good reason, basically. Sure. Um, so congratulations, by the way, on the upcoming second child. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, I remember... Gosh, I, I don't... I don't remember the actual timeline, but I remember the first time I ever uh, bought an inbound channel from you. That was the uh, just a Twitter DM, like reaching out and yeah, just saying, "Hey, I'd I'd like some inbound." And then you eventually got that uh, totally automated. So I was interested in like how that worked and and what tools you're using to like automatically broadcast those channels and how it checks to make sure everything's legit. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, actually a, a lot easier than I initially thought. It, it's basically um, three components, uh, or maybe four. It's, it's uh, on the one hand, the website um, that just displays the form and has some JavaScript stuff going on. Then I wrote a, an API that basically um, requests a BTC pay server invoice for with that information to who the channel should be opened and what size it should be, and then uh, returns the BTC pay server invoice. And then I had the BTC pay server there, but that is basically a two-click installation, so that, that didn't 
take much time. And then I had my node, which uh, every minute checked the BTC pay server for invoices that were paid, um, where there have not yet been channel opened, uh, and opened those channels. And that, that's basically all there was to it. And it worked extremely well, uh, extremely reliable, unless uh, somebody's um, node was unavailable or they had a Tor node and Tor was down or something like that. But other than that, it, it worked like a charm. Basically, within 60 seconds of paying the invoice, you had the channel open to you. Yeah, I, I used uh, the automated system one time and it was like, it was just so phenomenal how fast it was. You just scan the lighting invoice, and then all of a sudden, you look in there, and there's a pending channel already. Yeah, yeah, that was that was it worked really, really reliably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I I tried to professionalize uh, the server with, with uh, another partner. Unfortunately, that fell apart um, like a couple of weeks back. And since I knew, and 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 starting since since uh, working towards the partnership, um, I didn't uh, pay much attention to my main node anymore because uh, that was going to replace anyway. Um, but when that fell apart, I was uh, I had a little bit of an issue because I did not have the time that I needed to spend towards my node to get it uh, ready for the, what little time I will be having sure. with the second kid. Um, and so I just thought about yeah, how to, to basically handle it. And then I just came to the conclusion, it doesn't make much sense to uh, run a halfway unmaintained node um, with that much public capacity. That just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, and then I decided to wind it down. Uh, I, uh, I decided to refund everybody that bought a channel within the my minimum uptime guarantee period of 90 days. Um, and those refunds have been going on since, I think, two days ago or something. And yeah, that's the, the status quo, basically. Gotcha. <laughs> refunds also fully automated. <laughs> So if um, you uh, if you opened it or if you bought a channel from zero fee routing and it it did not uh, hit that ninety days before it closed, you're eligible for a refund. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Basically, go to my website, uh, paste a message signed uh, from your node. And this way, I know you're you're you and you're eligible. And then I check if if there were, was a channel opened. Uh, and if it was, you'll be getting uh, QR codes, basically, where you, which you can then just scan to request the refund. Very nice. And that's zerofeerouting.com, your website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm the first person chilling that <laughs> domain to, to lose money, basically. But yeah, <laughs> this is where you can go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it was kind of incredible. I was looking at the new uh, Amboss stats portal. And if you look at the channels metrics, there's this humongous dip. If you zoom out to the, uh, to the one month, there's this big dip that uh, represents kind of all the channels that were lost in the first L and D bug. And then there's a kind of a smaller, but sharper dip. It's like half of that dip which represents your node shutting down. So it's like a yeah. visible uh, event on the on the channel timeline. How many channels did you have uh, when you shut it down? 
I think when I shut down, I had a little more than 1,600. So quite a bit. That's crazy. <laughs> I think I was, by channel, by amount of channels, I was like number five. And I, at some point I was number three. So yeah, I was, it was a huge operation. <laughs> and uh, what kind of, I know it takes a lot of time to like run nodes and check on everything. And uh, like what kind of daily maintenance are we talking about? Well, it's it's a couple of hours. It's it's not that bad, um, but um, especially with so much capacity, it, security becomes basically the main focal point. I had a couple of things that 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 I needed to change uh, if I wanted to keep keep going, um, and not just fun security, but also um, I, I currently host the node with Hetzner which is a fairly large uh, hosting provider um, that allowed me to have the disk encrypted and run it on a dedicated machine, etc., etc. And the problem is um, they're really not liking cryptocurrencies at all and basically mm. confirmed that it's against their terms of service. I think what I'm doing does not uh, collide with their terms of service because um, I don't run Bitcoin D on the node, uh, on the machine. It runs uh, at another hosting provider. But I still might be on their radar, and I, I don't want them to basically shut me out of my own funds. Right. Um, so there's there's a bunch of stuff going on there. And then so, so I, if I wanted to keep going, I would have to move the server to another provider, make sure that everything could be encrypted there, uh, backups, etc. So, so it, it would have been a whole bunch of time, which I simply did not have anymore. So you mentioned um, starting out on several Raspberry Pis. And yeah. uh, I have to assume that the zero fee routing node was not on a Raspberry Pi. It's on a... Never. Yeah. No. Uh, it was never on a Raspberry. What kind of uh advice do you have i guess for just regular everyday node runners um when it comes to equipment because when you go out and you know look up how to get a lightning node started just about all of the uh you know searches will yield some sort of a raspberry pi setup yeah well because it's 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 easy and convenient to, to set up um, and there's nothing wrong with uh, raspberries uh, per se the issue is that if you run one of the defaults like like umbrella or raspberry blitz or something like that it's going to be a tor only node and tor only would mean that it's really not suitable for running a routing node it's okay if you run your personal node uh, as a Tor only node and do a payment here or there, but it's just not reliable enough to, to run a huge routing node. Basically, all the false closes I had were with Tor only nodes that kind of got disconnected somehow, then some HTLC timed out and the, mm -hmm. the channel had to be false closed. So, if you want to run uh, on a Raspberry and, and you don't have that many channels, I, I think I'd say a hundred channels or something like that. This is it can easily be done on a Raspberry, um, but then you should get somehow get get a clear net address. Like like there's uh, uh, there's some services that do that tunnel, tunnel sets or something like that. 
Yeah, I just had tunnel sats uh, a few months back. I added that, and I find that keeps me online way more often than just the tour yeah. only used to. Uh, exactly. So, my my channel with you, in fact, forced closed. I want to say like five times <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which uh, I appreciate that you you just uh, opened it up for the amount of the sats that had moved from your side to my side each time. <laughs> you were yeah. like, incredibly gracious and patient um, when it came to that. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> Very welcome. Yeah, that, that was basically what, what, what happened a lot, is that I opened the channel, it got first closed due to the peer being offline for some reason or another, and then um, yeah, there, there, there had to be some way of, of, of mitigating those issues. And um, so, so I really recommend, if you want to run a routing node, um, have get a, get a clear net IP to to be reachable under because otherwise you will have have false closes, but then again, paying for tunnel sets I, I don't know how much it is like a couple of bucks a month. You would have to earn that in routing fees in order to make make good the the, the money you expended on tunnel sets. So so it's 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 not easy running a profitable routing node. That's basically sure yeah the gist. Um. I looked at kind of the pricing. I was going to just make my own VPS tunnel um, yeah. to turn hybrid on mode or hybrid mode on yeah. manually. And the the fee I was going to pay to Linode just to have a cloud server was actually slightly a little bit more than the tunnel sat subscription. So I just ended up yeah. doing tunnel sats like it was yeah. it was easier to set up and a little bit cheaper actually. Exactly. Unless you need the the virtual machine for something else, it, it is cheaper to just pay tunnel sets and be be done with it because because it's just also so much easier to to do. Yeah. The I don't know what I I was so close. I had like the wire guard all set up and I was receiving the handshake and I I'm not sure what like what was keeping me from the finish line setting it up myself. But there was just uh, for whatever reason. That that at some point you said just screw it. I'm yeah, gonna, exactly. Yeah, but I, I know where you come from, and it's 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 just easier to, to if you're not that technically uh, technical, it, it it is way better to do it that way. And even if you're technical, it's also another piece of um of, of software you have to maintain in your stack. Um, sure, you have to look out for that server, etc. And so so it, it, stuff kind of piles on if if you just add and add and add. Uh, software to your maintenance obligations definitely um yeah that's what we run is two raspberry pies i've had raspberry blitz the whole time and lauren you run an umbral yep (laughs) and uh both are actually fine i i uh, i get there is a little bit of contention between the two implementations. I think uh, Raspberry Blitz, if, if you want to go the little more technical route, Raspberry Blitz is the better choice. Um, but Umbrella is absolutely fine too. I ran, I started with, out with Umbrella too. Nice. Uh, the first node we ever ran was through Voltage. It was like uh, one of their nodes uh, as a service. And that yeah. was kind of how I got familiar with channels and liquidity ma- maintenance and all that kind of stuff um it was right when the podcasting 2.0 stuff kicked off and uh we we just wanted to get in and learn it and so i bought a year with voltage just to kind of learn yeah. just with the understanding that i would 
eventually be setting up a home node, but um, you know, I knew that it would probably take a couple months to get all the equipment and to build it and to really learn what I needed to know. So the voltage yeah. service was, uh, I was able to just like turn it on that same day. Yeah. And that, that's basically, it, it, it totally depends on what, what you're in it for. If, if you just want to learn about how the, the, the technology works, uh, get a server from voltage, get your feet wet, uh, use Thunderhub or whatever, and that, that's perfectly all right. If you if you want to be more self custodial, well, it, it, Voltage is almost self custodial, but if they want to attack you, they can. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like like almost self custodial. Sure. <laughs> but if if you run if you want to run uh, to 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 get a deeper understanding of. Uh, the software that that you run, like like if you want to get, get deeper understanding of CLN or LND, you should uh, get a Raspberry Blitz or even uh, like me set it all up uh, on your own. But that's pretty time intensive. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your experience with uh, moving over to CLN because I know that at one point earlier this year you moved all of your stuff over. Yeah, and. Um, you were having, I think, a little bit better experience with routing traffic on CLN. Can you kind of tell us the the major differences and um, maybe your experience there? Yeah, um, I, I started out with LND because it was the most widely used implementation at that point in time, and it still is. Um, so I, I just chose it not by any kind of research, just by choosing what everybody else was using. And uh, when I uh, had such a huge node, when I, I closed down the LND node, it had around a thousand channels, I think. So it was fairly huge. Um, and the issue I had is my my channel DB, my my database, grew by about seven gigabytes a day. Whoa! So. Um, and I knew how much disk space I had, <laughs> yeah. and I knew they were trying to fix the issue, uh, but I knew they were uh, thinking about uh, half a year or so to fix it, and I knew I didn't have, have that much time. So I knew I was going to run out of disk space but before it, it, gets, it gets fixed, um, and that's when I decided, okay, I, I can't wait for them to fix it. I have to to make a change. And then I basically completely shut down the LND node and restarted uh, with uh, Core Lightning CLN. Now, do you, I, I, uh, did you kind yeah. of build your own stack or? Um, yeah. In, instead yeah. of uh, any kind of pre-made uh, pre installation? Yeah. I, I basically Frankensteined my, my setup. I, <laughs> I took whatever pieces I needed and, and, and put it together uh, to run it, um, which um, might not be the best of choices for anybody, but for me it, it kind of was, especially since I was able to, uh, starting with uh, Core Lightning, I had no other software running except for the node on that machine. So it's just the node, nothing touched the node. I had no plugins, I had no uh, automatic whatever's um, except for stuff that I wrote myself which is a, a great uh, great thing security wise because the more 
third-party software you run, the more uh, developers you trust not to screw up your setup. And right. also the more stuff you have to maintain. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I've been playing with the idea of setting up a third node on... Um, I was at Micro Center and got a really cheap... Uh, one of these mini PCs. It's like a Lenovo yeah. Think Center. Yeah, perfect. And um, I was just kind of... Uh, I was I was wondering if you'd had any advice over like the implementation I should do, or if I should just go raspy blitz again with that thing, just since I'm already familiar with it, or if there's like a best practices kind of uh, solution. Uh, there, there really, there really isn't. So, so it depends totally on how much time you wanna in, in invest into it. Um, using raspy blitz is probably a fairly good choice um, because it, it, it just allows you to, to to have the software installed. You're kind of dependent on them releasing updates, but sure. they're fairly good with that. Um, yeah. Um, what, what my, my stack, my current stack is, is Docker Compose based. So I basically have uh, Docker containers for each feature, I have a Docker container containing the node. I had a Docker container containing the Bitcoin D and made them talk to each other, which allowed me to basically um, have pretty nice uptime because I, if, I, if I upgraded the, the core Lightning node, the, the Docker container with the previous version was basically online until the new build was done. And then it, it, it gracefully shut down and the other machines spun up and just continued from there. So it kept my downtime to a minimum when doing upgrades. And it was, I was fairly happy with that setup. But the, the, the opinions diverge on whether that's, that's a good choice or if you should just install everything on a, on a Linux. Gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know very much at all about Docker, but it seems to be... Uh, it seems to keep everything running smoothly. The umbral is like all Dockerized. Yeah, and exactly. It's, yeah, it's low maintenance for me. <laughs> it's pretty hands off, is what it seems yeah. like, for the yeah, most part. Um, yeah, unless something breaks. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, speaking of things breaking, these uh, recent L and D bugs, and the entire network grinding to a halt. Uh, and emergency patches twice in two weeks. Um, yeah. I'm wondering kind of your uh, your thoughts on the state or the health of the network. I saw a lot of exodus over to CLN because of that, because the eclair and the CLN nodes were not affected by either of those bugs, but all the L&D nodes um, basically became pretty vulnerable. Uh, if they stayed yeah. on the old software, well, I, I made the change from LND to CLN because I had to because LND was just not a good enough implementation for the node I was trying to run, and I think other people are realizing that too now. So if if you want to run a reliable routing node, I I would not do it again with LND, even though they they fixed the issue that that I had which made me switch. Um, I think 
Um, this may be due to the focus of the development team um, from LNG as compared to the, the Core Lightning team. With Core Lightning, I am under the impression the, the, the team is very much focused on improving the software, adding new features to the node itself, etc. And they, they were extremely responsive uh, anytime I had issues. I had issues like two times my, my node broke down because I ran into a extremely rare edge case bug. And I had uh, Rusty basically helping me out within... I don't know, like a, like an hour of me realizing I had an issue. So, and that was that was just I'm so grateful that that uh, the Core Lightning developers were there for me during those times because I would have not been able to fix those issues by myself. Um, and with uh, LND, I'm under the impression um, Lightning Labs is, is a venture capital financed uh, startup, basically, sure. and they have. A little bit of a different focus. They are into taro and and, and stuff that, that that is interesting to to keep their <laughs> investors happy, basically. I see. Yeah. And uh, that's at least kind of my impression. Uh, maybe I'm wrong there, but those those two issues um, uh, from the last couple of weeks uh, kind of made that a little bit obvious. Especially since the issue that the last issue that happens, the second one was a known problem they had so they could have fixed that easily it's it's like a one line one line of fix um, and they could have fixed that easily and uh, get it shipped but decided to not do it i think they decided to not do it because they wanted to do it with a regular uh, release because it was it was an edge case but it was an edge case affecting basically every node and sure. that yeah so that's where the difference is <laughs> Yeah, it seems like a because I did read that that was disclosed at least a week in advance. Yeah, um, but it seems like just by you know waiting and putting it in the in the goals for the next release, they kind of exposed themselves to get nailed for the second time there, and uh, pro yeah, probably lost a lot of uh, users in the process. I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so some uh, of the node operators I have been in contact with were saying, okay, they're, they're really thinking about switching implementations just because uh, yeah, it's it's no fun having to um, realize you, you don't know about new blocks anymore because that makes you vulnerable to um, attack. Yep. And y you would have to get that info from somewhere and this, these cases are also why I decided to not keep my node running while I was not having the time because because if something like this happens, you need to patch your node and you need to uh, to do it pretty pretty soon. Um, you can't wait for a couple of weeks doing that because that that will expose you. So um, yeah, it's yeah it's well, it, it, lightning is still very very early. Definitely. I think that's a big takeaway from a lot of this stuff is just how early the entire network is and uh, all the players. Um, I don't really know much. So I always read about Eclair and CLN were not affected. I don't know much about Eclair. Uh, like, do you have to go and, I guess, manually build that? Is there any stack uh, that's using that under the hood that you can just pre-install or... 
I don't I don't think there is uh, like like a Umbrel or Raspberry Blitz like uh, stack that that you can just run. You have to build it yourself. I think it's fairly doable if if you if you so, so I don't think it's harder to do that than to installing L and D on your Linux machine. So so it, it should be doable, hmm. but. Um, I think besides async, almost no node uses it. Um, so, so the community is really small, um, which means that if you have issues, uh, the only guys you can turn to are the guys from async because they are right. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's that's what what what's holding that implementation back a little. Sure, but I think it's a it's a good implementation. Yeah, I think that uh, I was reading on RaspyBlitz, you can run CLN and LND simultaneously, and I'm not really sure. Uh, like, I don't understand what the advantage would be or, um, like, even how that happens. There is none. Okay. You, you, you can't, you can't, well, you, you could, theoretically, you could run all three implementations on one machine, or, you, well, I, I at some point I ran, I think, eight LND nodes on one machine. Just for the heck of it, um, so so it's fairly easy to do. But the question should be why, <laughs> because um, it's just more software you have to maintain. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, you just pick an implementation that works the best. Um, yeah. So what I guess it, is the is there just different commands or different features or op opera. Uh, Operators, I'm not sure. I guess the, the what yeah, makes CLN different, or what what it what its abilities are. I know the database management is is one thing. Yeah, and it is also um, CLN is plugin based. So basically, you have the, the the core functionality, and everything else is a is is a plugin that you can uh, use or replace or add new plugins. So so the the whole uh, software is very easily extendable uh, which makes it extremely powerful and it's 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 done really clean so um yeah that's that's something i realized after switching to it <laughs> but gotcha. uh, cln is very powerful that way um now the there's this big um blind spot i've been trying to do some research on CLN when it comes to key send payments because I read in their release notes like sometime at least a year and a half ago they had key send support but then I've also read different users like uh, having trouble implementing the key send or getting it to work on CLN I don't know if you have any yeah. experience with that or not yeah, I, I didn't focus too much on key send because I was not really using the node to send or receive payments. Sure. Um, so I, I, I didn't use key send a lot. But um, from my understanding, CLN supports receiving key send transactions. But it, as far as I know, does not support messages with that. So um, if you do a key send to an LND node, between two LND nodes, you can basically have a payment of whatever amount you want to have, mm -hmm. and then attach a message to it. 
uh, and the receiving node sees that message. So, so, so you basically could communicate via keyset. I think Thunderhub implemented something like that too. Yeah, they have like um, a, a and, little keys chat built into Thunderhub. Yeah, it's, it's like a chat, exactly. And and with, with Core Lightning, you can receive the payment, but you won't see the message. Gotcha. Which kind of um, is a huge drawback if uh, the, it was used for that purpose. So so with, with uh, L&D Keysend, you have the opportunity to... Because you... you with most of your peers, uh, you don't know who they are. Uh, it's not public knowledge uh, how to reach the node operator. And with key sent uh, from LND to LND, you can basically send a message to the other node operator in the hopes that they would receive and read it, sure. um, telling them whatever you want to tell them. Uh, and that would not work with Core Lightning. I see. Yeah, we have... Uh... That's kind of the big part of our uh, journey is it's all based on the podcasting 2.0. And so these Boostergram messages are all uh, sent in the TLV Keys records. It. Ah, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it probably would be... Um, I've also been pondering just having a, uh, this third node be dedicated to routing and then I could... Uh, sort of calm down this other node and, you know, not care about routing on it, just have it as a receiver essentially yeah. yeah but what i did with 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 my notes i i still have multiple notes running like personal or hobbyist projects um is um i had the the huge uh, zero fee routing node and all my personal notes and my hobby notes just had a channel to that node and and we're all good to go basically um and i'm, I'm learning that with my withdrawals right now that um Having a zero fee routing node <laughs> in the network makes stuff cheap. Uh, so I, I've just just now I've, I've paid uh, quite a few sets and fees just for all the with, uh, refunds that I'm doing. Oh yeah, yeah. You were more than on chain a... fees at at times. It's it would be crazy to see stats on um, like the average. Uh, the average cost to route Fee. payments before yeah. and after, uh, just yeah. because you were so central, uh, uh, central to the network, and obviously no no yeah. fees going through. So, yeah. Uh, when when that um, oh there there was a conference in in Austria a couple of months back, and I did almost all the payments uh, were routed through me that were done on that conference because I, I read the payment provider there posting some numbers about how much they fa factored <laughs> and I knew how much I was doing with them so I knew okay that's almost all me <laughs> wow that's funny yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so basically everybody there should have not paid any fees <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so obviously there's a big hole left um in 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 the network and big shoes to fill what um have you have you had any messages or seen anybody trying to kind of i don't know step up and fill your shoes or take the zero fee philosophy and uh um kind of build a node based on it yeah i had, I had a couple of messages of people suggesting uh to just hand over the node to somebody else or even offers i can continue the node but i i think um 
with that, um, with those offers, it, it's usually not clear that that there's a huge amount of capital involved. So the node had uh, way more than 40 Bitcoins on it. It had like 40, 43, 44. Uh, so it was a fairly balanced node. And you can't hand over that kind of money. Right. Um, especially um, because there's no way uh, for them to prove they're not just running away with sure, the money. Yeah. Um, so so it, it's it's really not easy to to transition um, ownership of a lightning node. And I think there's basically that will never happen in a non-trusted way because right. th there is no way because the the previous owner will always have access to all the the on-chain funds uh, of the node. Um, and the next owner will have access to the, the coins, so there's no way to make a clean cut uh, uh, except for starting another node. Um, and <laughs> with, with uh, somebody else basically picking up uh, my philosophy, I, I don't know. Um, I think, uh, and I was really curious um, why nobody else tried uh, to route for free. Uh, except for uh, I think DZ did it for a little bit, and but but no, nobody did it as focused as I did, and at the uh, at the size that I did. Sure. Um, um, maybe because everybody thinks it's not profitable, but uh, with the channel sales, I was at like somewhere around two percent uh, return on investment. So it's not nothing, but of course. Uh, Putting two uh, for for return of two percent, putting capital at risk, and, and plus the maintenance that that had to be done um, might be not that interesting. But I still think that that um, the dynamics in the network will change with time. So the the return on investment will increase in the Lightning Network in the next couple of years. Sure, definitely. Well, I think. Uh, do you think maybe a big part of it is just the the default channel fees being one one and uh, so many node operators just being, um, I don't know, kind of just basic um, basic beginners? The that kind of keeps, I don't know, that kind of keeps fees down in general. It kind of I don't know deflates yeah. the price or yeah, I, I think um, at least a little bit. Uh, might be towards that and I, I think it is a huge uh, mistake having the default settings be one uh, ppm and once uh, i think one sat per yeah. transaction or something like that yeah. so, so it's a really 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 extremely low because if you don't change your defaults even if you intend on changing the fee as soon as the channel is up which you can as far as i know you can't change fees unless the channel is really up so after funding the channel uh, and it having uh, the amount of confirmations it needs on chain you, you basically can't set and or change the fee yep. and as soon as it's up somebody else could snipe your liquidity away by basically doing a rebalance using your liquidity and i've read tons of stories where people open the channel to loop or something like that and before they could change or increase the fee somebody used their one ppm to just yeah. get their liquidity towards loop 
So it, it is an issue, and I, I would I've strongly argued for setting the default fee to ten thousand ppm or something like crazy like that, so you don't accidentally route. Also, I think uh, channels should be private by default as well, because I think a whole bunch of people that um, open channel to other nodes do not know that they're publicly advertising those channels uh, to the whole network sure. for other people to use. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah, I think a default high fee would be a little bit safer just in that, you know, you're going to change it once the channel opens either way, probably. Exactly. So why not change it by lowering it rather than have have this vulnerability right when your channel opens up of uh, yeah. the whole liquidity And then game. there's guys out there that know exactly what they're doing, looking for that kind of, that kind of cheap liquidity. And as soon as a channel gets gossip that, that has these low fees, try to use it to rebalance their, their stuff. So I wanted to ask you about rebalancing and if that ever was a factor on, on zero-fee routing. Uh, I totally stopped rebalancing at the beginning of this year Yeah, just because I, 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 I found that it was like too expensive and that I could actually just um, change fees, you know, and, and use my fee yeah. structure to kind of balance over time. Yeah. Well, for me, rebalancing was never an option because because if I rebalance, if I pay to have my channels balanced and then route for free, that would just mean I'm subsidizing other people's sure. <laughs> payments. So, so I never rebalanced. Uh, I've always encouraged my peers to steer the liquidity with, P, with fees. Because that's the the main uh, throttle to to kind of like incentivize or disincentivize uh, having payments flow some direction or another. Sure. Um, I've been uh, using uh, max HTLC settings to steer the liquidity. So basically, if uh, a channel of mine was depleted and I had no liquidity in it anymore, I just set the max HTLC, so the maximum size of payment I was willing to route to one Satoshi. So basically, no routing that way until I had some liquidity back on my side, and then I lowered the, uh, then I, I increased the max HTLC again. Um, Rene Picard had a blog post about this, but in a way more sophisticated <laughs> manner, huh. where you can basically reach a, an optimum um, uh, flow so that you don't have failed payments by just kind of nudging towards the ideal max HTLC setting to to get the the pressure on both sides of the channel leveled, basically. Yeah, that's what I do is just use fees for uh, if I need more friction on those um, yeah. channels to, yeah. to slow it, the it, outbound. Yeah, and it's it's fairly easy to do, and you can automate it uh, with LND. There's um, oh uh, charge LND, I think it's what I used, uh, where you can basically say if I only have uh, X percent of the balance on my side, increase the fee to Y, and then and, and this way it, it automatically uh, adapts the fee structure. The only thing that you have to keep in mind is you, you're only allowed to change your uh, channel settings so often. I think it's once or twice a day. Uh, otherwise, your updates are getting uh, ignored as gossip spam. So there's bit of nuance to, to doing that gotcha 
um, I had a question from the KC Bitcoiners um, meetup that I'm a uh, meetup group that I'm a part of. Uh, one of the organizers, Mitch, was curious if you had any recommendations for other self-sovereign nodes to connect uh, to in, in in your absence. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting that a lot, and I I must admit I really did not think about my own consequences because right now the the node that I do the refunds with only has a channel with async because they are just the best connected node there is, but yeah. they're not cheap. Um, so they would be a go-to for me, okay. um, but again, they're, they're not cheap, especially if you want to move huge amounts of funds, they, they're not the way to go. I think DZ is a fairly good peer to have, um, uh, Carsten Otto with C Otto D, um, uh, is fairly good, but really I, I have no idea. Just. Before a couple of weeks ago, I only connected to my own node. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. Those were the days. Right? Good times. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. <laughs> um, so I see DZ, DZ.io here on Amboss. Um, yeah. And I actually, I he came across my radar right when you were uh, announcing your retirement, as it were. <laughs> Um, I had not seen his node or his operation before. Yeah, he 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 went on my radar like like two to three months ago. Uh, he he's uh, been experimenting quite a bit with Lightning, so he's offering swaps. He's offering to buy your inbound. He's he's trying stuff out. So yeah, I was trying to wrap my head around that whole uh, ability to earn. Uh, that he would pay you for basically pushing liquidity over to his side. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting concept. Like, uh, um, yeah, well, the, the way this works is, um, despite uh, balance off chain is more liquid, so you can you can so sort of lightning balance is, is easier to use. It's it's more liquid. You can. Uh, make uh, final transactions within seconds, etc. But still, um, on-chain liquidity carries a premium. So if you want to swap from off-chain, so from Lightning to on-chain, you will have to pay either Loop or, or DZ like at least 0.1% most of the times around 0.2%, yeah. 0.3%. So uh, what he's offering is... Um, move your liquidity in the channel over to my end. I'm going to close that channel, get the liquidity off-chain. So it's, it's for him, it's basically a cheap loop out. I see. So he has on-chain liquidity, again, that he can open do whatever he wants, or... open other channels or whatever. And, yeah. I just thought it was like, that, I don't know, I was trying to wrap my brain around it, because if I open a channel to DZ, let's say, and then I through rebalancing or through whatever, uh, through, I think he suggests like just sending, um, your sats via lightning to yourself on another lightning yeah. wallet, like wallet of, uh, of Satoshi or something. Yeah. Uh, if I do that, then he has liquidity over on his side to close a channel with, but he also loses some local liquidity on some other channel, right? Yeah. But I think for him, it's, um, 
I think he's paying a thousand ppm is what I think I remember. Uh, so so if he if he um, for example if he um, opens channels to loop for a thousand five hundred ppm and another channel for a thousand uh, and he buys your inbound for thousand. Uh, he 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 is making a pretty decent cut okay. of 500 ppm because he's going to use the liquidity in that he got through your channel to open a channel with loop and charge 1,500 and this is the where where it's getting interesting for him. I see. Just a very uh, simple description of how it might work out for him. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I was reading all that on the learn more on his site, and I was just a. Uh... I was trying to wrap my head around how it worked or how, like, how is this good for me or how is it good for DZ or... Yeah. Um, well, as, as long as you're happy with, with the result, there's no harm in, in, in doing that. That's true. Just, <laughs> so if it's a win-win, why not do it? Yeah. No, it was something that I was uh, going to look into exploring, maybe. Uh, so you said DZ, and then who, who was the guy you mentioned after that? C-auto... De. Um, he's a. I don't know if he he's a good peer if you're running a, your personal mobile wallet or something. But he's an extremely good routing node. So if you're into running a routing node, he he's definitely one of the peers I would recommend. C minus. Is that uh, how do you spell that? C like like Carson <laughs> because it's his name. Okay. C minus. O T T O, you should find him on Imbos if you enter that. Okay, C minus auto. Oops. Uh, ba 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 And I'll sync that Imbos link to you. Oops. Via Twitter. I put auto like A U T O. Whoops. Huh, I'm not finding <laughs> him on uh, Amboss. But, uh, I found him on Amboss. It's yeah, C dash minus. Ah, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, C dash. Oh, okay. I see him now. I got the link that you sent me. Cool. Well, that'll be good yeah. to. Uh, he's gonna... I don't know if he's gonna keep the channel open forever if it doesn't see much movement. So I, I have no idea um, sure. how, how he's handling that because all the channels I had with him always saw. Tons and tons of motion. <laughs> right. See, I uh, just to keep that, I had a juicy 10 million sat channel uh, inbound from you that uh, I kept maintaining or that <laughs> we kept <laughs> reopening every time it forced closed. But um, I was looking around for like a similar experience, you know, and so I just went to Ellen Big to try it out. And it definitely costs a lot more. And it looks like. Uh, at least last time I checked, it hadn't moved anything because his fees are just a little bit higher than anything else I've got going on. Yeah, the 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 Alambig is pretty decent if you just want to receive payments, like like if you run a store or something like that. Mm -hmm. But um, if you want to route. Uh, the channels, even the channels I had with him, didn't see that much movement, and that is probably due to him behaving more like a sync than a routing node. So, so it's the funds tend uh, to move his way. Gotcha. Um, 
So it yeah. might be better to open to him than to buy liquidity from him. I'd argue. Okay. Yeah. But again, then I, I wouldn't know if, as soon as the funds have moved over, will there be movement or will they just sit on his end and, and not move? Sure. Because, because uh, that doesn't help at all. Right. <laughs> ah, it looks like he has actually lowered his fees. Uh, the rate's 10 and the base is zero now. Yeah, yeah, I think I've read that like yesterday or something that that somebody reported Alan Big has been doing fairly huge uh, fee decrease, which yeah, if he keeps that up, um, that should help a lot. Actually, I still have uh, I still have yet to have a single sat move to my side from that channel, but uh, we'll see. Did he change? Did he change it for with your channel too? Yep. Uh, okay. So my keep an my, eye on that. <laughs> my my channel uh, fees to him are I think seven 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 and two, just because it's all on his side, you know. So I need to like have it slightly higher. Yeah, you have to stop something. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if anything gets moved, and I I I just assume that it's probably going to automatically turn off at ninety days, you know, because it hasn't seen any action. So that'll be kind I of. Have, a, I have. N- no idea. I think he, he's not, as did I, I did not actively, uh, I've closed like a handful of channels actively. The others I just kept open, whether they I've opened them or they've been open to me. Gotcha. Yeah, I hope it stays around just because, I don't know, it's, um, it's nice to have that inbound. And, um, you know, we are getting payments and forwards even as we speak right now through the node. Um People are streaming sats through the podcast, and uh, we did have a boost earlier, actually, too, I should read, from Harv Hat, who sent us 11,011 sats, 11011, and he said, wake and stack sats. So, good morning. Nice. Thanks, Harv Hat. <laughs> little wake and bake <laughs> it's boost. It's a good time there. to do that. <laughs> uh, I should mention to the listeners, too, by the way, that uh, Zero Fee Routing has <laughs> refused a split, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, have you ever changed your mind on that? Just let, let us know. But he said, <laughs> that's okay. He said the value split was not necessary. So, um, just such a uh, such a generous man, in the way that you run your node. And um, I'm definitely gonna miss uh, having you on the network because it was you were just a guy I could reach out to. And um, God, I can't imagine how many Twitter DMs you must have. And like, it was always a kind of a Pleasant surprise that you would uh, that you would you know engage with anybody that sent you messages and yeah I think I've uh, not ignored one message one lightning related message I've I've ignored a bunch of hey uh, do you want to promote my shitcoin right <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that I, I did not ignore messages. So aside from the new kid, what's on your kind of short-term future radar? What's what's your time going to be spent doing? I know you said that uh, you'll still be on sh- uh, Twitter shitposting. Yeah. <laughs> um, that I plan to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep watching the space because I think my business model has merit. Um, if nobody picks up my model, I might make a return at some point. I just know that I won't be able to spend enough time in the next couple of months to 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 justify that. So maybe late next year, I I make a return with with a more with a more professional setup, basically. Um, but 
yeah, I just see where things evolve towards and then decide on whether I want to I wanna do something again or do something different with lightning. There's so much potential there. Definitely. Um, I really love the space and the, the amount of development that's happening there. Yeah, it's a crazy world where um, because it's so early, like there's so many ideas that people have and are working on and, and want to bring to fruition. Um, yeah. I really want to have a uh, music solution that runs kind of parallel to all the podcasting 2.0 things. Um, but unfortunately, I'm just, I don't have the development chops yet to have anything, uh, you know, ready to play with. <laughs> uh, like, like paying, paying uh, streaming sets for streaming music, basically. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Just like podcasts, uh, yeah, like this one are value for value, and you can just put them out there and uh, leave it open for the listener to return any kind of value. Um, a friend of mine, Abel Kirby, and I actually put out an album last Christmas Eve that was. Um, it's just released just like a podcast, right? So the feed is the album, and each item is a yeah. track in the album, and uh, so we have like a proof of concept on the on the publishing side. <laughs> But there's just not really any app that delivers a music experience yet, and uh, I've been yeah, you should, I've been working you should on pitch one. It to but Breeze it's just, because they've been very active in in, in doing stuff like that. Like yeah, like, I've actually talked to Roy uh, a, a couple of times about it on um, I think on Telegram is where he reached yeah. out. Um, yeah, just uh, it's tough for me to. I don't know, col collaborate with anybody. Most of my experience is on uh, React apps. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to build. But yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, I'm still I'm still pretty young in my development uh, skills. So <laughs> uh, it's really tough to have to like just look at every single thing I want to do up and try to find an implementation hey. and. Yeah, I see it, and it's time intensive, and it's uh, you never know, and that's that's the beauty of, of of lightning. You can you can just do it. It's permissionless. You can try it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it works, it works, and yeah, especially as long as you don't custody other people's funds, you can sure. do whatever you want. You can drop in, you can drop out. With my note, I, I decided to to offer refunds, and I decided to not. Um, just why let it die basically this I, I pondered quite a big quite a bit about how to wind the operation down um fairly because i i knew uh, if you bought a channel from me a day prior to me shutting down you would not be happy if i just sure. said, yeah, <laughs> sucks to be you yeah uh, so and also i i didn't want to um i could have also um basically shut all the other channels down, just not the ones that were paid for within the last 90 days and then subsequently shut those down. But then the, the, the customers would have gotten a very different experience than what they thought they were buying. Yeah. So this is why I decided there, there is no other way than to say, this is the day I'm going to shut everything down and I'm going to refund everybody uh, that, purchased within that time frame yeah that makes sense i i was kind of uh surprised really at a lot of the reactions when you uh had announced that uh including people thinking oh it must not have been profitable or uh, 
um, you know, how long does it really take to run a node? I saw some people like uh... I was I was fairly positively surprised by the general feedback. Everybody was uh, very gracious and, and wishing me all the best. So so I was very happy about yeah. that. And no, nobody really got frustrated with me turning the note off. But I think a lot of people um, did not quite get how, what a huge operation maintaining a node with like 4 million uh, US dollars in capacity right. actually takes. It's, it's, it's not pocket change. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. Like, and the, the juiciness of a... Uh... A target that that makes exactly and, and the bigger you are um the the the, the, the bigger uh target you are so if, if you run uh, a, an unknown node that that doesn't have that much channels that is not that popular uh, that is not that well known that has a couple of bitcoin on it you're you're not as exposed as if you run one of the top five nodes of course you are uh, way more on the radar of, of everybody else. So, and, and I knew that this was basically the only... I, I was not that much worried about the software bug uh, losing my funds. I was more worried about some edge case being exploited with my setup uh, and somebody just moving my funds away. Sure. So how, I guess, are some strategies to counteract that or uh, kind of harden your node against that yeah what, what I what I can only recommend if you run uh, the the node even if you run it on your own hardware at home it makes sense to encrypt the, the to fully encrypt the hard drive that it's run running on so if the machine is turned off there is no way to access the, the, the complete disk without knowing the password which makes uh, stealing the device not not an option for an attacker, um, and especially if you run it uh, in a hosted environment uh, where you have the risk of a rogue employee basically shutting your machine down, copying the disk, and uh, leaving with it. Sure, uh, that's a fairly realistic scenario if if you're juicy enough. So um, if you if you have like a couple of million uh, dollars at stake, that that is tempting. Sure. Especially if uh, if uh, if you're running at a hosting provider where uh, they can, or or even a cloud provider where they can basically just make a copy of of your machine without you even knowing right. what they are doing. So so that that's stuff that I would keep in mind. So if if you want to host a node with with significant amount of funds, uh, get a dedicated machine, encrypt the drive, make sure you have backups, make sure you have backups at another location with a different provider so that the provider cannot shut you out and stuff like that. Gotcha. So if you, if you came back on another run, would you still go with like a cloud uh, provider or would you running your own equipment i would uh i think it's it's fairly doable running with a dedicated uh machine like like i did uh before 
So like a dedicated encrypted machine, I would not uh, just rent like DigitalOcean VPS and, and, and run a node there. I, I would not do that because it's just not secure enough. Gotcha. Um, Mitch had another question, actually. He says, uh, also curious, what improvements you would like, uh, if any, to see that would have made it easier for you to continue running your node instead of shutting down? Yeah, that's not that. Yeah, I, I I know the the source for that question. It's it's not like um, something that made the operation so complicated uh, made me shut it down. It's just that there is risk involved with with the hot wallet, Definitely. and you cannot just keep the node running without constantly being aware that you have to check. Is Bitcoin D getting new blocks? So, so you can, if you want to attack a node, you can basically um, kind of try to compromise their Bitcoin Ds for that to not get new blocks, like like the the LND bug that happened. Sure. And if that just happens to one uh, Bitcoin D, and that's the one you're using, and you have no idea it's uh, it's being attacked that way, and you don't get any new blocks. Uh, they, somebody could uh, publish all channel states and, and, and steal funds this way, and, and you wouldn't know it until it's too late. And is I guess that's something that a watchtower wouldn't be able to see just because of the not getting new blocks in? It, it depends on uh, what uh, backend the watchtower is using. If it's using a different Bitcoin D uh, in a different setting that gets new blocks, a watchtower would help. A watchtower would help with that. But if it's using the same Bitcoin D, you would be none the wiser. So it, sure. it is, it, it's getting complicated. <laughs> or with, with LND, the, the issue was that, that the watchtowers themselves had the same bug. So they were not getting the new blocks either. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that was a tough one. Both times. Um, I guess you, I've seen a lot of mixed opinions or mixed reactions from... Um, the guy that's uh, that published both of these transactions that broke L and D, uh, he's either like a hero or a villain uh, to a lot of people. And I'm interested to hear like your take. I think that I can kind of see the nuance. Like, you know, it's a pain in the ass to have to go in and update your L and D yet again. But also, if that's what it it seems to be, that that's what it takes to get Lightning Labs to move on something. And so. I'd rather have think, it think, fixed it, in the ultimate uh, picture. Yeah, I, th I think chaotic, chaotic good is where I would put him. Sure. So I, I think uh, he, he's a good actor. Um, I think he's a, he, he likes to provoke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that that's fair. Uh, honestly, um, if things can break, they should be broken because uh, I don't want the world's economy depend on something that can be broken with a $600 investment. That's what he paid in fees for getting the transaction included that broke everything. Sure. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I say if you can break it, break it. Try to break it in a way that people do not lose their life savings. That, right. that would be nice. Right. <laughs> ideally. But um, Yeah, ideally. But uh, please break node implementations. Do it if you can. Get the developers informed, but if they don't act on, on the information, feel free to make a point by breaking stuff. Sure. I think that was like uh, a lot of the quick replies I saw were people saying like, yo, why don't you do this on testnet? 
and he was like i did <laughs> and then uh <laughs> or like what about uh uh you know what about uh proper disclosure and then uh somebody else had said like yeah a week ago we disclosed this and there was no movement yeah. on it so i guess once you've exhausted those options like uh you have you have a little choice left but to go for it <laughs> Yeah, especially if you, want, if you want to see it fixed. And I think it makes a lot of sense to get stuff like that fixed. And it, this is always the issue if you have multiple implementation of the basically reference client. So so I, I, I love the fact that we have multiple L&D impl uh, Lightning implementations. Mm -hmm. um, but um, having multiple implementations for the base layer can lead to issues like that. Yeah, I saw some speculation too of um, the security of having everybody on the same version of L and D because now you know, like for L and D, nobody is running an old version. Hopefully, I mean, I'm sure there are still some out there, but um, you're out of sync if if you're running an old version of L and D now, and yeah. uh, just having that be another kind of security risk, I suppose. It it, it kind of is because because you can you can introduce malicious code and then break the implementation so everybody has to upgrade in order to get everybody to 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 run your newest version so yeah it's it's yeah but, but what can you do if if something's that broken it is that broken yeah no doubt um so as far as the, the equipment goes i was wondering cuz we've discussed a little bit about how um, the the Raspberry Blitz being, or the I guess the Raspberry Pis in general being um, a fine node, but maybe not for routing. And you mentioned that a lot of that's largely just being Tor only. Um, yeah. But is there anything else that kind of limits the, the routing capabilities of a Raspberry Pi versus maybe some other equipment? Well, well, what I'm seeing now, I've, I've uh, tried to spin up my the, the zero fee routing node on a different machine, uh, a less beefier machine, and since the database is so huge, it's it's like 70 gigabyte right now. Um, it takes so long for the plugins to uh, to start up that they run into timeouts. So, um, if you run a huge huge routing node, you need to have a beefy machine even though during normal operations you don't really need it. I only used about between 8 and 16 gigabytes of RAM on my uh, dedicated server uh, from the 128 gigs I had. So, so it, it was fairly, fairly, mostly unused. Gotcha. So it doesn't take a lot, but maybe a, at its peak a little bit more than, than the Pi. I think... Yeah. I think the biggest one's eight gigs of RAM on yeah. a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, um, but for for really for for almost every other node out there that would probably work with eight to sixteen gigs of RAM, because the the what since I was routing for free, I had so many routing attempts, so many successful forwards, but also so many. Uh, routing attempts that failed further down the road that it, it's just a huge bunch of data that that stays with the node basically forever 
Um, another question I had, I guess, is for maybe people on the fence or thinking about starting a node. Um, what advice you might have? I know that um, your experience of running, you know, one of the top five uh, was a little bit too time consuming, but I think that the story that you also run other personal nodes still kind of gets lost in all of that. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, I guess maybe your advice for, you know, should people still run their own lightning node? And, um, of course, of course, absolutely. And my advice would be run your own node, um, connect to it with, Zeus wallet or something like that uh, and and just use it for small lightning payments that you're gonna have so much fun it's it's gonna be great don't expect to make uh, tons of money running a node even if you uh, enable routing on it uh, because the it's you you might make a buck here or there but it's not gonna compensate for the electricity most of the time unless you really seriously deploy capital and uh yeah i think it i still love the lightning network i still run multiple nodes and i'm gonna keep doing that um yeah it's great fun uh you should be aware that you will have to look after your node from time to time so if you're planning on going on a multi week uh, vacation make sure you have some kind of plan what to do if something breaks down at home sure yeah we have an ongoing meme on the show now uh where we tell people to get in the car and drive because we had this experience of kind of trying to evangelize or orange pill or get you know we were telling people to run their own nodes as podcasters because of the whole podcasting 2.0 rollout. And, you know, there are a few custodial services you can sign up for that, uh, they'll take a cut in order to provide you some node, uh, backend and you can use their node essentially. Um, but Mm -hmm. we were really encouraging people to run their own and the amount of kind of questions and hesitancy surrounding that. It seemed like a lot of people like, wanted to understand it more before they tried it, you know, or they wanted to read uh, the magic answer or like they wanted to have this understanding of how node operation works before they operated a node, you know, and I, having run one, I knew that's just not going to happen, you know, like you have to turn one on and run it before you learn how to run it. And usually... It just runs. You turn it on, you run it, and it keeps running, running, running. Everything's going to be fine. And if if you have uh, like a watchtower and a handful of channels, it's not a big deal if your node breaks down and it's going to be offline for a week or two. Maybe some of your channels force close, but yeah, that's life. So it's you're going to be out like two bucks or so. Sure. So it, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, it's been pretty forgiving, I'd say, for the most part, over the whole, gosh, I guess uh, two years ago is when we... Yeah, about two years. Got that first voltage node up and running. Yeah. What, uh... No, it's... I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I was, no, I was going to ask, uh, what got you kind of involved with Bitcoin in general? Was it... Were you into Bitcoin, like, far before the Lightning Network, or... Oh, yeah. 
I got interested in Bitcoin way back in 2011. And uh, I, I was like a Mises Goldbach kind of guy before that. So, so I was fairly far on the NCAP end of the journey. Sure. And when, when Bitcoin crossed my path, at, at first I dismissed it. I was very skeptical of it, but then realized this could actually be the answer to a lot of questions that, that Austrian economics or, or to, to a lot of issues that Austrians had with, with money and how money worked currently. And I got really, really excited about it. And I've been excited about Bitcoin ever since then. And I still am. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love that uh, hearing people's Bitcoin origin stories because I think everybody has that sort of first round exposure where they're either like skeptical or they just don't like fully understand it or appreciate it. And yeah. then there's this sort of second layer where you have this realization of like, oh, wait, there's something much deeper going on here, isn't there? Yeah, it's kind of like a revelation. And, and I think it's fairly hard to make that transition from the skeptical to the super convinced sure. <laughs> part because because you need to understand have a, have a good understanding of economics and have a good understanding of of uh, the technology behind bitcoin and if you're lacking in one of those fields you're going to have a hard time grasping why it's so revolutionary yeah i always am fascinated by how many other topics it seems to kind of blend into or bleed over into um, when you go to Bitcoin meetups, you'll find people that are like taking decentralization to its natural conclusion where like they care about, uh, where their food is sourced from. They care about like, uh, where their medicines are sourced from. They care about, you know, um, things like micro homesteading and different things like this, uh, you know, sourced beef, uh, local sourced yeah. beef, things like, uh, of this nature. Uh, I think that's because Bitcoin incentivizes you to think about the origin of stuff <laughs> and whether the stuff that you always never questioned is actually good stuff. <laughs> and it makes makes you realize that not everything you're being told is uh, should be taken at face value. You shouldn't come to your own conclusions. And uh, once you're starting with that, uh, it, it really easily blends over to all other aspects of life. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild, this journey of, uh, I don't know, discovery of how the world works and how uh, economies work and all of our systems, you know, all of the modern systems and how it kind of, you can trace it back to um, just control, <laughs> essentially. And who has yeah. the control and who has the sovereignty. Yeah. And then that's why I, I love Bitcoin from the get-go. It's like it's it's uh, censorship resistant. It's sovereign money for sovereign people. It's, it's just a no-brainer, basically, to, uh, to use Bitcoin because it's just so far superior than everything else. I wanted to get your take... Uh we're running out of time here and uh, be going soon, but I wanted to get your take on sort of the recent drama over the weekend and yesterday and, um, you know, yet another exchange going down in flames that kind of causes 
this ripple market effect and um we've got people who are like um very panicky like i'm thinking of selling all my bitcoin which is you know to to me kind of like a mind-boggling uh proposition you know if you've if you've bought <laughs> yeah. like maybe a year ago and like now you, you know now you're sweating bullets being like maybe i should sell it all you know like <laughs> down here in, in a trough and like the worst possible yeah. time to maybe sell it but i don't know what's your take on um this whole i don't know uh, the sh- the shitcoin's ability to kind of tank the the price and the and and cause this panic yeah i think i think that's because the markets are so interrelated that the the shitcoin and the bitcoin side of it so that that if a major exchange goes belly up they sell their bitcoin holdings because they are just so liquid to to satisfy whatever or or prop up some other uh, asset they're holding or sure. whatever so, so so i think that's most of what's going down um and there there there's always been situations where the bitcoin price tanked because one huge exchange went down which is actually the opposite of what should happen because um, the realization is not everybody that thought they had Bitcoin actually had Bitcoin. Right. And there's way less Bitcoin than people thought like a week ago <laughs> because tons of people thought they had Bitcoin that actually did not have any. Yeah. Uh, so um, the, the, the price should actually rise. Um, and I'm pretty confident that it's gonna. It's just a question of when. And as long as you're not leveraged and you're not needing the liquidity for th- something else, uh, you just wait it out. Sure. Because, yeah, as I, I myself, I'm, I'm not bothered by the price action right now. And I'm, it's just stuff that happens. This is like my fourth bear market or something. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you get kind of numb. It's... F- it's uh, they, <laughs> the first time I came in it was like at 380 390 bucks in 2015. Yeah. So like for me yeah. I'm just like I roll every time this kind of talk happens where it's like yeah. people are like I can't and even that, see a potential bottom and I'm like well if you if you think yeah. in pennies then there's like 1.6 million other t- potential bottoms, you know, like Yeah. Uh, imagine and, everything and the, between the, here that, and zero and we're not even close to it. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, that that the 2015, 2016 bear market, that dragged on forever, and it just yep. got lower and lower and lower. I, I know people were just saying that it was dead, and I think it only had peaked yeah. at like 1200 bucks, you know? And it was yeah. the same sort yeah, of, uh, oh, everyone lost their ass on it, you know? And, like, yeah. and then, before you know it, it does another 100x from the bottom of the bear market. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of That's funny. The I, I I have to assume this whole price is just the massive lack of understanding of the system overall. I guess. Um, yeah. Just Absolutely. in the in the general market, because like the price is set by the market. It's not set by Bitcoin itself. It's not set by anything else. It's not. It's set by the the general public. Everybody's uh, collective understanding of the thing. Yeah. Um, the, the the price for my Bitcoin that I hold are, is way higher than the current market price. <laughs> this is why I'm not selling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that makes. Uh, but there's people that are selling right now at the prices right now. Then, yeah, 
I love it because, uh, you know, I'm getting some uh, heavily discounted coin (laughs) to stack. I I, I bought coins yesterday twice because the price went down so much and it hit my limits. Yeah. I'm I'm not sad. It's hard to... uh, it's hard to ignore that kind of thing. I know I always am uh, just a slightly gleeful, and I know Bitcoiners have different reactions. Like some people just want that moon event, right, so that we can be right, or so that we can like tell our friends and family who think that we're nuts, like, "Oh, see, I told you so." I like have the win, but for me, I'm like, I don't care about that. Like no. inevitable moon moment, you know. Like I would rather that not come until much later, so I have more time to stack, you know. Yeah. And, and also with with Bitcoin, I'm, I'm I'm fairly convinced there is just a one or zero end price for it. Either it is gonna be the monetary asset that's being used, or it's not. Yep. And if it is, it's way undervalued at today's prices. Yeah. And if it's not, it's gonna go to zero anyway. So, and I'm, I'm fairly confident it's not gonna go to zero. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not financial advice, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, well, um, it looks like we're at about an hour and a half here. Uh, thanks so much for sitting down and uh, chatting sure. with us. I appreciate all of the insight and all of the knowledge and help. Not just uh, talking with us today, but all that uh, you've done for me and for all node operators uh, with your node. It's... It, it's a wonderful well, it's service a that you provided. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, again, congrats on the on the new kid. We've got actually one on the way at the end of the month too. Yep. So, baby number oh. four. Ooh, exciting! Yeah, exciting. yeah. <laughs> so I definitely know how that goes. The the whole time commitment and the new baby with, with four and stuff. kids. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, thanks again, and uh, all the bowlers out there. Thanks for listening along. And we will be back at it Tuesday night at uh, 9 Central U.S. with another episode of Bowl After Bowl. So thanks for listening and join us then. I will be Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'll be Dame DeLorean. Until next time, (laughs) may your bowls burn ever brighter. folks it is on it is on that's an amazing story man that's cool as fuck yeah yes yeah Yeah. yes bowl after bowl dot com bowl after bowl dot com 